today is another one of my favorite topics. I know I shouldn't have favorite episodes, maybe, because it discourages you from listening to the ones that aren't my favorite, but they're all good. You should listen to them all, but I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Me too. Which is food and community and grilling. If we get around to it. We'll get around. We'll get around to it. We'll get around to it. (laughs) I wanted to talk about something completely unrelated to food and grilling and community. Not unrelated to food, but unrelated to grilling and community. And say that uh, we got Jenny's today. And it made me really happy. I thought you were going to say something else, actually. Jenny's ice cream is life. What what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to tell our listeners that we're moving to Texas officially now. Oh my gosh, we're moving to Texas officially now. There, I, I told them. Nice. I think you're more excited about the Jennies, though. I am more excited about the Jennies. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said uh, moving to Texas was more exciting than having Jennies. I'm pretty excited about moving to a new place and trying new foods and branching out in my adventuresome palette. So... How on brand of you. That foodology brand, though. <laughs> uh, if you uh, want t- t-shirts, no. go ahead and tweet at us. There are no t-shirts. Ignore. There, ignore. ignore. There could be t-shirts. Ignore. If t-shirts we're, were desired. We're claiming my time. <laughs> if t-shirts were desired. Ignore. Ignore. <laughs> they could be created. All right. Moving on. Maybe tote bags. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, this is a great idea. Tote bags for when you go to the grocery store. That's exactly what I thought for a second. I was like, wait, canvas bags for grocery shopping? That's kind of cool. That's a pretty great idea. No apparel. We have no apparel. Okay, so today um, I want to start like we did with episode two and read some quotes. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about them and talk about our experiences with food and community. Because, well, I'm going to preface with this. Um, Food doesn't exist outside of community. Food doesn't exist outside of culture. Everything that you eat comes from someone uh, or something and is produced by someone or something. And so food is inherently a communal act. And in fact, when we try to separate it or isolate it from the communal processes by making it like created in a factory rather than by someone's hands and effort it actually makes us worse off for it both our bodies and our souls it's true with that in mind i want to read a quote actually two quotes from two of my all-time favorite authors so this is a really exciting side tangent for me um one from madeline lengel and one from shauna nyquist both of whom are my some of my favorite authors the first one says from madeline lengel that's something i've noticed about food Whenever there's a crisis, if you can get people to eating, normally things get better. It's a great quote. Love Madeline Lango. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Um, and then the other quote is from Shauna Nyquist, who said, I think preparing food and feeding people brings nourishment not only to our bodies, but to our spirits. Feeding people is a way of loving them in the same way that feeding ourselves is a way of honoring our own createdness and fragility. Was that from Bread and Wine? The book? I don't remember. It's either from Bread and Wine or Bittersweet, but she mm. actually talks in all of her books about food. Yeah. Not only Bread and Wine. Shauna Nyquist, great author. If you want to read about some food stuff and some other life stuff. If you want to read, like, okay, if, you, if you're really into, like, memoirs and you're really interested in food writing, Shauna is a really great combo of those two things, her own story with food 
and also food recipes and life experiences with food. Another great one just about bodies and food and eating is I'm currently reading Roxane Gay's Hunger, a memoir of body, and uh, it's excellent. I'm really enjoying that too. She doesn't include any recipes, but it's all about bodies and food and eating and the relationships we have with food and with ourselves, and it's really great. Um, I'm sure more exist, but those are the two that I've I'm the most familiar with authors that talk about food. And we should include it. a list of these books in the podcast description for this week. It's just those two books. <laughs> okay. But uh, well, if you I forget can come the titles, up with more. If you forget the titles, we'll put them in the podcast description. Okay. So check that out. Suggested reading from the creators of Foodology. Nice. Um, there's also some really great cookbooks out there that are in narrative form. Yeah. Like, like uh thug kitchen actually no no not thug kitchen thug kitchen is excellent but it's not narrative um my drunk kitchen by hannah hart Mm. and craving by t chrissy teigen ah chrissy teigen yeah love following her on twitter i do too i love following her on twitter she is hysterical um, so this is connecting in great with community because all the best conversations about food, you can pick and choose from what you've learned from other people. Um, so I learned from other people's writing and work about food just as much as I learned from the conversations that we have together when we talk about this podcast and food. Yeah. I learned so much from the conversations we have together. So I think food isn't meant to be kept to oneself and isn't meant to be had alone. Yeah. So what are some, for you, what are some experiences with eating with others or cooking with others that have deeply shaped you as a person? I know you've talked a lot about cooking with your mom Mm -hmm. growing up. Um, Maybe what was a meal that was like really meaningful for you? Not necessarily for how good it tasted, but maybe the context. Mm -hmm. So a great example would be like if you had eaten with a group of people that you didn't know, but then like the the meal like brought you together or you ate something you wouldn't normally eat with people and that like made it more meaningful. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can think of a specific meal per se. I do have a lot of great memories of in the summers eating on the porch. Mm-hmm. So whether that was just the three of us as a family or if we had people over, that usually was like super relaxing as a lot more relaxing than like eating in the kitchen at the dining room table like being outside with the mm. fresh air the trees around that was always really Your nice house was really beautiful yeah we had a great view from our front porch and so we ate out there almost every day during the summer um so yeah and just we we had people over i would say quite a bit um growing up and so there was a lot of there was a culture of you know, having people over to eat food and connecting in that way. And so I think that was really valuable. And then a lot of times um, my parents were doing like a college and career ministry with a local college. Um, And so we would have a lot of students over for like a home cooked meal because you don't always get that when you're at school. Mm. And so they would come over and then like they would help cook sometimes and then we would all eat together. And you could always tell that that was really like that meant a lot to them Mm. that they could go somewhere to eat. And that they could also even sometimes like help in the kitchen, kind of like that they were back at their own home. So sort of like food and the making of food is universal. 
like you can feel that connection whether you're in a new place or a place that you grew up in so Hmm. yeah yeah I would say and maybe you can attest to this too that uh going to college made me so much more appreciative of other people's cooking and making food for me like I like every kid like in high school like if there's food promised is like oh yeah I'll go but in college it's like survival like you're you're just so incredibly grateful to have someone else like offer to make food for you I just like wanted to hug everyone that was like oh I'll make like every parent who was like I'll make you food I wanted to be like bless you (laughs) like there was so much gratefulness to have like such a practical way to aid your your flourishing yeah but even outside of that in college like just eating in the cafeteria was a time during the day where everyone was brought together um like you might have different classes and things but you could always count on seeing people you know at lunch or dinner Mm -hmm. and spending time with them and talking with them and so that community was always really strong at taylor too yeah dc i have like really fond memories of going apple picking that was something that our family did pretty much every year when I was a kid because I really liked to go and so we'd go for my birthday a lot because my birthday's in October and we would go and get apple cider donuts and pick apples and get apple cider and it was really it was a lot of fun I really enjoyed it um and we would take friends a lot of the time um yeah so a lot of my favorite memories around food have to do with um, apple picking or baking in general. Um, my mom doesn't bake a lot anymore, but when I was a kid, she used to bake a lot more, especially for holidays. Um, and she almost always made pie. Pie was like her go-to. And so I helped out in the kitchen a lot when she would make pie. And so a lot of my really fond memories of the kitchen involve, uh, helping her roll out crust for either like sugar cookies she would make or um or pie that she was making and she would give me leftover crust and I could make like a little turnover for myself um but even like those things were really special but also like um it just didn't really matter what we were eating but like having picnics when we would go see like concerts together or even just like the food that we would be offered on my mission trips. I went to Trinidad um, in high school twice and we ate a lot of food I'd never eaten before and I was just so grateful and willing to go out of my comfort zone because they were so generous to cook for us. Um, And I think that's one of the really meaningful things about food is how it's one of the easiest ways to cross cultures. is to have someone, maybe you don't speak the same language, you do in Trinidad, but if you didn't in another place, they could still offer you food and you could share that, share in that together and somehow like still have that bond. Yeah. I think something else I remember from growing up is a lot of times at like holidays during the year, we would have large family gatherings, like especially Christmas and Thanksgiving. And so a lot of times those would focus around like a large meal that we would all eat together and those were all always really fun times everybody getting together various people would bring side dishes or whatever and then we would eat together or like church potlucks I've been to those a few times it's always fun yeah and I think 
when we think of community, myself included, I tend to think of those like um, special events of community or like large groups. But even just like uh, I just went to see one of my closest friends at her apartment for a weekend and um, and even like the amount that we cooked together while we were there and she would just like make pancakes or we would and we went out a lot too because it was a vacation weekend Um, but even that was communal like how much we were cooking and eating together Um, just the two of us even it still feels more meaningful more connected Yeah, community can be of any size. Mm-hmm. One, well, not one person, but two people or more. And that's also not to say that if you do live alone and eat alone a lot, that somehow you're not participating in community as much as you should. Um, because you can and you do just by just by the things that you purchase and the meals that you share with friends and all of those things, I think, are part of eating. But... I've been to a lot of funerals in my lifetime, not necessarily people I knew, but um, my mom was in ministry, and so we visited a lot of her volunteers, their families' funerals, and people almost always serve food or bring food for the family. Um, There's just this idea of, like, an innate understanding of, like, no one wants to have to cook or it's just like a really natural way to like provide for people is just like bring a casserole (laughs) and people do the same thing when you have a baby or when you move to a new house like people bring stuff and they help you with things and like the most one of the most simple grounded ways to do that is by bringing food and offering food and I think that people kind of do it subconsciously like they're just like oh that's a thing you do but I I think it's fascinating that that's a thing that we do you know that's one of the things we've chosen as a way of caring for one another in our humanity is by offering one another food and making it for each other yeah it's interesting how we've how this basic need that we all have has turned into something that brings us all together like we can turn it, it's not just a need, but we can give it as a gift to each other. We can help each other with that. I don't know. Well, and it makes sense to me why. Yeah. Like, it may not be explicitly vulnerable, but the idea that we're all connecting with something in ourselves that is a helplessness, uh, we're at the mercy of our bodies and needing to be cared for. Mm. And that is kind of a vulnerable thing. Yeah. Um, I think in the western in the west in particular we're all a little bit uncomfortable in our bodies <laughs> and i think uh sharing in that vulnerability with one another a, a space that kind of strips away some of the like we all joke about foods you don't want to eat on dates because you don't look cute while you're eating it or something and like that kind of thing or people who are sloppy eaters but like there is a like an element of vulnerability to what we eat and how we eat it yeah and so when we sit at a table with one another and eat like a little bit of our pride maybe is chipped away and so there's a like a layer of softness that's revealed it makes it easier for us to connect with one another yeah um it brings us all to a level playing field of some sort like we all have to eat and i think all vulnerability does that but i think that uh, food is the is the thing we all share in common the most explicitly. 
um, in ways that maybe we wouldn't be as vulnerable about other parts of ourselves. Yeah. Like we don't have a choice with food. With other things, we have the choice to keep them to ourselves. But with food, you can't hide it. We all have to eat. We all need food. And so it's just like a simple way to share that with one another. Like it feels so natural and significant to me that of course Jesus had like a last supper with his closest friends before he went to die. Like, because that's what you do. When someone is going to die, you give them food. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just like, are you, or when you're, when you're in a hospital waiting for someone to die, you bring food. Like, that's just like what happens around the most vulnerable moments of our lives. We, we go to weddings and we eat, mm-hmm. you know, like that. It just makes like, that's such a core of who we are as made beings Yeah, to share in that with one another something about food at least for me is so comforting too like Mm. just being sustained it's comforting so i think that's a lot of the reason why in those vulnerable times we eat together Mm. yeah and people so one thing that i think is like another great example of this is uh when couples like feed each other (laughs) Which is normally something that people roll their eyes at and they're like, oh God, that's like so tacky or li- or cheesy or whatever. Um, and you and I don't really do it very often or ever. No. Um, but I think there is some sort of reason why that feels intimate. You know, like like us feeding one another. I don't know. Like mm. I, I think that there's something to that that like couples would want to do that because it feels intimate. Hmm. you're sharing in something yeah maybe i don't know it's just a theory but i think it's kind of interesting and i think it feels appropriate that we come out of the womb that we're born and immediately we have to be fed by not only fed things that are grown but but Often, the way that we're made, not everyone is fed this way anymore now that we have bottles and stuff, but fed by another person. You're fed out of, like, out of another being. Like, like I am designed, when I have a baby, to actually use my own body to feed them. They're, like, feeding off of me, literally. And instead of seeing that, well, I guess some people see that as gross, maybe, or inappropriate for public settings, it's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's it's such an interesting and amazing testament to, like, us needing one another. Mm-hmm. Like, a baby would die by itself if it couldn't be fed by yeah. another person. Like, it could sleep alone. And it could poop alone. I mean, it might be dirty, but it'd be okay. But it can't be fed alone. Mm-hmm. It would die. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing that it needs the most from other people. And so I think... I don't know. I just think that kind of stuff is really interesting. (laughs) I think all of that is just to say... Food is important, and it brings us together. Community is important. Community is important, and food brings us together. And you can eat alone in front of your TV every night for the rest of your life if you want. But I think you'll be missing out, ultimately. I think that food is meant to be shared yeah i mean when i was a kid we used to have 
an, an elderly neighbor across the street and he used to grow a lot of extra zucchinis and would show up at our house and just say, I have a lot of extra zucchinis. Do you want any? And I think like you're just supposed to do that with food. Like you have extra, you share it. It's so easy to make extra food too. Mm-hmm. Like if you're cooking for one person, it's so easy to double that and cook for two people. Oh, of course. So, yeah. yeah. But speaking of grilling... We weren't speaking of grilling. You said grilling zucchini. No, he was growing zucchini. I definitely heard grilling. He was definitely growing it. I was kind of wondering why he was offering you grilled zucchini. He was but growing zucchini and offering it to us. My bad. <laughs> Did you know you can grill what zucchini? What a great segue. Did We're going to talk about, and for, for our cooking technique of the week. Ooh, rhyming. Um, we're going to talk about grilling. <laughs> Logan hates me so much. What for, a great segue. Me. Yeah. Did you know you can not only grow zucchini, but also grill zucchini? Shut up. Two words, which sounds very similar. Really similar. Yeah. So talk about grilling. Yeah. Because I know nothing about grilling. Um, so I've grilled four times, so that makes me an expert. <laughs> um, yeah, I've grilled chicken. How does it feel to be an expert? Um, pretty much the same as I felt before. <laughs> You've grilled more than four times. You grilled last summer too. Like twice and twice, three times this summer. So I'm sorry, five times have I grilled. It's more than that. He's underestimating his own abilities. It's, it's more than that. It's not in the double digits. I'm sure of that. Okay, it's not in the double digits. I think it's higher single digits than you think it is. Okay. Well, anyways, I've grilled chicken and burgers and squash and zucchini and corn on the cob. The corn, the grilled corn on the cob was... That was pretty good. So good. Um, did I say burgers already? I don't remember. Yes. Uh, I've grilled sliced pears... I've grilled romaine hearts. The pears were so good, too. And I think that's everything I've grilled. But it's been fun. I like grilling a lot. I think something about feeling the heat and seeing the flame. I don't know. It's the same reason I like frying things over baking things. Because I can see it. You're a chronic overcooker, though. I'm sorry. I'm trying. That's the hardest part about grilling, I gotta say is grilling meat to perfection it's pretty hard your mom is really good at it um but i guess it takes practice so i'm just not convinced that it's actually that hard it just seems like you're always overcooking it so you just need to like compensate and cook it shorter okay well maybe next time you can grill and then (laughs) we'll see how that goes no i'm sure you're a talent I'm that's sure. that's probably an overstatement. I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm underappreciating you. I'm sorry. It's okay. We uh, we paired grilling with food and community because grilling is something that it seems a lot of people do at parties, and they have people over yeah. to grill. So it seems like it goes. It seems well like together. a natural go together. Like yeah. a lot of times, when people want to have a group of people over, they're like, "Great, I'll grill some chicken." I don't know. I think usually they do burgers, but... Or burgers. Or Sometimes dogs. hot dogs. Bratwurst. Ew, bratwurst. What? I love bratwurst. No, not a fan. Okay, well... I do like a good hot dog, though. 
Mm. I'm gonna miss that about Chicago. I like a good Portillo's hot dog. I'm gonna miss those Portillo's hot dogs. Yeah, I don't really have any uh, hot tips on grilling. Just uh, practice. If you want to grill something, look up a recipe. I like being in control of the food I'm cooking. It's fun to be outside and cooking because most cooking happens in the kitchen, so it's a change of scenery. Closer to nature. Yeah, I guess so. It seems like a summery thing to do, so do I like that. Do you like feeling like a dad? Sure. <laughs> Did you see that Craigslist ad like a couple months ago about some college students in Portland that were like yes. looking for a dad for their 4th of July grilling? And I thought about offering you up. <laughs> I think I don't think I'm at the You're not experience requirements. Enough. I think you need like 15 years of dad experience. Oh yeah, no, you don't have that. So, I uh, I looked on BuzzFeed the other day, found some other things you can grill, like really? avocado. You yeah. can make grilled cheese on a grill. Gotta say that kind of blew my mind because I've only Seriously? I've only ever made grilled cheese like in a frying pan. And I never really thought of like, oh, I guess you can make grilled cheese on a grill, hence the name. Go figure. Um, fruit, bacon on a stick, buttery bacon on a stick. Yeah. Interesting. Buttery bread. That sounds pretty good, actually. Like garlic bread. Sure, or just buttered bread. Interesting. Um. Like toast. Edamame, but I'm Ew. not really a big fan of edamame. I don't like edamame. So. Potatoes. Cauliflower, right. mushroom skewers, uh, donuts. That was out that of left field. Weird. Also, pound cake. Also weird. So yeah, don't know about those, but I guess never. According to Buzzfeed, you can grill them. What does Buzzfeed know about cooking? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That I don't was, know how to quantify that. That was not a rhetorical question. I genuinely was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you wish people like understood about eating with other people? About eating with other people? Just sharing food with other people. Could be cooking with other people too. I don't know, just how easy it is maybe. I feel like maybe sometimes people are I don't know, maybe afraid of the vulnerability or mm. I don't know, I mean I guess it's a lot of work to like ask a friend if they want to come over and eat something, but that was somewhat sarcastic. Oh. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And I think sometimes we just don't think about how often we could eat together if we really wanted to. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a great way to make new friends. I mean, that's something I don't do super well, like inviting people that I don't know over for a random meal. Like, I don't do that well. Hmm. But you can. Hmm. Um, and you know, we're moving to a new place, so food is definitely a way we can connect with new people in Waco. Um, yeah. How about you? What's something you would want people to know? It's a huge gift to offer someone food or Mm. be fed or even just invite someone to your table. Um, entire ministries have happened and exist around the premise of just sitting together around the table. Yeah. Um, because it is such a meaningful place to connect. I remember 
I was in a small group and we used to meet at night at church and then one day we were like what if we met after church on Sundays for lunch and it just completely changed the culture of our group once we had that time to sit around the table with one another and just talk before we even got into the Bible study itself it made the time that we actually spent talking about the Bible so much more meaningful because we genuinely felt like we knew each other I feel like food just relaxes any situation almost immediately. Yeah, it's disarming. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Like, you can sit at a table and just look at each other and try to start a conversation. Or you can put some food in front of you and almost immediately start a conversation. Yeah. So. Yeah, it feels so much more natural. So I guess that's what I would say to people. Like, I think if you're nervous about having someone over to eat with you or you're nervous about your cooking not being good enough it doesn't matter how good of a cook you are whether you're a chef or someone who's just really great at making macaroni and cheese the act of inviting someone to your house to your space and cooking for them is still incredibly meaningful no matter what you're making And I mean sure if you're a really good cook like great and I'm sure people will love coming to your house but it doesn't mean that if you're not great at that that it's not just as meaningful for you to invite someone into your space yeah into your table 10 out of 10 recommend eating with people I'm sure most people most everyone listening to this podcast has eaten with someone before it's impossible to go through life not having eaten with someone right unless you were just born in which like case, I'm really ago. impressed you're listening to this podcast because you can't technically understand language yet. True. Thanks, as always, for listening to us ramble about everything food-related. And sometimes not food-related. And sometimes not food-related. Um, you can follow us, as always, uh, at, on Instagram and on Twitter. My username is Hannah Schaefe. And mine is Logan J. Evans. You can also make posts with the hashtag Foodology Podcast or email us at foodologypodcast at outlook.com. And we have our episodes uploaded on Google Play Music, iTunes, TuneIn, Podomatic, Stitcher, um, and a lot of other places. If you can't find it on your favorite podcast site, go ahead and... Uh, let us know that, and I'll try to get it up there. We actually only have one more episode for you before season one comes to a close, which has been surreal and really positive, and we're really grateful for all your feedback and suggestions about what you'd like to listen to and what you'd be interested in listening to and what you've really enjoyed listening to. Yeah. Uh, Keep it coming. Next week's will be a little bit more heady than some of our previous episodes, but I hope that you really enjoy it. Um, I've, I'll be doing some research. I haven't done it yet, but I will be doing some research to prepare to teach you all and discuss with you all about some really interesting topics. So stay tuned. I'm really excited. Yeah. With that, I'm Logan. And I'm Hannah. And this is Foodology Podcast. The Foodology Podcast theme music is by Jazar. Check him out on freemusicarchive.com. Thank you.